as an engineer the wall indulged in a fair share of daydream and during our seemingly unending lectures considering that most of us don't know what to do with our lives we have a habit of running different simulations in our head every day often the possibility of a better future is the only thing that motivates us to keep going through this endless parade of assignments and vivas it is indeed true that in our lives we can go as far as the imagination takes us because all of us see these people every day be it a senior or a person in your linkedin feed no matter what we dream about no matter how different it may be from our batchmates we all want that feeling of recognition of our talent and grit However, the downside is that we get to see these success stories on LinkedIn every day, and the pressure of our own success story not being able to come sooner is immense. During these times, it is helpful to remind ourselves that social media and the legends the entire college talks about are shown in a fish-eyed view. We fail to understand that success should not be an immediate goal, but a byproduct of a long and fulfilling career that one grows to love every day. Whenever this happens it's a good practice to get back to our roots and hear the stories that remind us that persistence in every phase of your life is m- the most important thing for you to keep growing in your professional journey. So welcome back to the brand new episode of the DTU Times podcast. Today we have with us Mr. Gajendra Sharma and we'll be talking to him about his long and highly fruitful career. Mr. Gajendra is an graduate in mechanical engineering of the class of 1997 from DCE he joined L&T as a design and development engineer right out of college and worked at Hitachi as an associate consultant before he pursued his MBA from NYU Stone and HEC Paris he has been working for Audi in the past decade and has also been heading DTU DCE fraternity forum Japan chapter in the capacity of the chairman We will be talking about his journey as an engineer and about the trend of engineers pursuing MBAs within the first five years of their graduation. Keep listening as he talks about his lessons from his professional life, the future of technology, and goes in detail to discuss the shortcomings and changes that can be including in the curriculum followed by engineering colleges. So, without any further ado, let's get started. So sir how was mechanical engineering during those days um what was the popularity or the craze around the branch during your time what motivated you to pursue the same when you did yeah so actually um um mechanical engineering was uh, yeah i think we were 100 students if i remember correctly and uh, of course we had different groups like i don't know if you have the same currently and uh, yeah it was it was quite sought after i would say in 1993 actually i joined in 1993 and it was quite sought after uh, branch uh, just let me tell you before i um, i did mechanical i actually was i was living in bengal at that time and i had applied for dce and i think for one year uh, i was in civil so mechanical was something which i chose after that i decided to because i realized that this is something just quite interesting and uh, could be quite good in future so i then i chose mechanical in 19 uh, 93 uh mechanical uh, engineering uh, was as you know i don't know how the subjects are today but at that time we were studying from metallurgy to uh, you know very very detailed uh, stress analysis of uh, different structures 
we were also of course in the initial years we had all uh, very general subject which is common for all the students so we also had some literature sessions uh, uh, programming sessions uh, but later on we were focusing a lot on mathematics uh, uh, in terms of a very advanced level of integration uh, physics and uh, of course you know i uh, all about boilers and in the very last year we were uh, since i took automotive uh, we were doing a lot of automotive related topics uh, including the projects which we did for last months uh, where we were focusing on mainly diesel engine um, simulation so um yeah i think uh, i think it was quite interesting uh, actually i didn't stay in the hotel uh, hostel sorry i was staying in the in the i was staying at hindon at that time so i was traveling every day so it was maybe a bit different uh, compared to if the some classmates were staying in hostel so it was a bit different in terms of on campus and off campus experience but for sure uh, what i still remember is that sometimes because the whole uh, building was uh, also um, there were a lot of um, how to say monkeys on the campus so they were sometimes coming to our classrooms so this was something uh, which uh, yeah which was normally which you don't experience i guess uh, in general classes yeah so so like you mentioned sir uh, the mechanical engineering branch ha- in terms of the curriculum has not changed a lot from your times even to our time what has changed is the technical integration that has been done into it as in the simulation softwares and the computer designing that all of us can do on our ends on our laptops now so even the faculty members and our curriculum actually offers and incorporates that into our knowledge so since that was unavailable at the time how did you feel and how did you guys uh, cope with the practical aspects of mechanical engineering um how did you guys learn uh, real life applications of the branch at your time Yeah so uh, I mean you're right absolutely right I think in the last 10 15 years especially in 2007 when the iPhone came the technology has changed completely at that time of course uh, we were not used to all these advanced technologies I would say uh, for sure the practical uh, uh, classes uh, especially the labs which we had uh, were very much uh, uh, you know for example we had studied this uh, uh pressure differential creating this volume differential and uh, we had this machineries you know which we had to run and uh, observe the different uh, meters and understand how it is linked to what we studied we of course were using lathe machines we were also making some some different objects cutting uh, cutting them or maybe even gears so all those things we were doing uh, but in terms of it i would say i would say at that time the exposure was not that much uh, what i learned i still remember was quatran on campus but out out off campus it was mainly with other institutes we were trying to learn cc plus so in the campus it was maybe not that much infrastructure wise uh, possible you know to really learn language on your own unless you had infrastructure at your home or you were joining some extra classes outside so the the practical labs i would say were traditional you know we were we were also doing this ed uh, uh, you know drawings different kind of drawings uh, which you use your what what do you call that you know the one you use normally to make drawings um yeah drafter yeah this the cross section you know the, all the horizontal vertical cross section so those kind of things were there so i would say uh learning wise um it was 
from mechanical perspective yeah it was there but if you bring if you want to bring electronics and it and computer then actually for mechanical it was not that much i don't know how it is today uh, but it was very general but some of the students of course my classmates were doing including me uh, were taking classes outside to compensate that yeah that time so what was the scenario like as a day scholar in your days and as you mentioned that you moved from bengal to delhi for your education how did you cope up with moving and how did delhi treat you in terms of college life in terms of personal life as in how did the social life and the campus life of dc treat you as a student that's a very interesting question uh, because i was in the indian air force background so i was always traveling and our uh, my dad was in the air force and we were traveling every 2 to 3 years so we were used to different culture i mean different schools different students different teachers so that was part of our life so for me coming from bengal to delhi uh, was another location uh, of course when i met all my classmates i initially i had a cultural shock because <laughs> i was coming from a completely uh, you know the the school or the environment in the air force is a little bit different i would say Uh, compared to what i saw which means it was more exciting more energy more uh, uh, students were yeah they were quite motivated quite passionate also in my school it was the same but we were uh, we were we have we went to a very disciplined lifestyle i would say in the school where i was coming from um, and uh, yeah we were of course involved in uh, musicals drama sports edu- uh, studies uh, debates that was not a topic Uh, but i guess the diversity uh, i think most of the students were from delhi also 15% were from outside um but yeah i mean i could see that uh, maybe i was not that outspoken when i was in my school maybe i was mostly into academics but only when necessary but i also understood in the very first 30 days that everybody liked to talk a lot everybody wanted to talk about variety of things you know not only studies but also the they want to talk about music they want to talk about technology they want to talk about what's going on in politics they want to talk about um, all sorts of things yeah so that was i think quite a good learning experience it took maybe a couple of months to adapt to that but in general i think uh, what is good about dc even in those times and i guess is the same in this time even today is that uh, students are quite ambitious they're quite smart quite in, uh, quite uh, intelligent and they all have different way of looking at things So I think for me, uh, with hundred students and also other uh, branches where we had some touch points, it was quite good learning experience. I would say, yeah, as a, as an engineering college, uh, and also a uh, lot of uh, students at that time also wanted to already uh, you know study uh, abroad or some also wanted to do MBA. So all those things, if you if you put in together, and there were some who were uh, you know like involved in some societies, which is I think still there. at that time i think uh, we launched or one of the classmates launched uh, this uh, in this um, asme or this or the uh, this society for mechanical engineers association or american society of mechanical engineers right i don't yeah yeah so it is it was something which was started in our batch uh, and uh, and i think uh, i'm sure it should be still there so yes people were trying different sorts of things so you learn you know you learn uh people uh, some students were trying to take initiative in those uh, some were uh, uh, good in academics others were doing little bit with the student council and others were of course with the uh, with the regular studies so it was a mix of all and ng fest was there and all these festivals combined uh, so i think uh, all in all of course you 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 study you study quite uh, i would say it's quite intensive but at the same time uh, you had these opportunities uh, and also uh, observing people and participating in the events where you also learn yeah so overall i would say it was quite a holistic uh, experience yeah from my point of view 
सो सर एज यू सेट दैट मैकेनिकल इंजीनियरिंग वॉज सर्टनली अ टफ ब्रांच बट वेरी मच फोर्थ हर्ड सो हाउ इज द प्रोसेस ऑफ एंट्रेंस बैक देन एज एन वॉट वॉज द एडमिशन प्रोसीजर हाउ वर the admission test ranked and how difficult was it to get into dca around your time so actually i did i uh, it was uh, i think i don't know if it is online currently but it was paper based in those times and i would say yeah it was uh, i would say pretty uh, i wouldn't say you can just uh, pass the exam just like that you know <laughs> just with the normal studies so for sure the level of exam at that time but also you needed preparation separately to what you were studying in your school so uh for sure uh, at that time you know um, i remember uh, referring to agarwal classes i don't know if it's still there but uh, yeah those were some modules uh, to go through all of them preparing uh, to those and of course uh, studying techniques of uh, you know how to quickly quickly solve a problem or maybe different ways of solving a problem i think speed was one topic which i still remember was quite important necessary even then and of course uh, having a multiple approach of solving the same problem that's the second thing i remember and and of course not only relying on one source for your studies so those are the three things i would say uh, were necessary in those times and the toughness level i would say was to the standard of dce because the students i, I met uh, yes it was a quite um, a high standard in terms of entrance exam um, in the night and i did that exam in 1993 so i guess uh, it would have changed over the period of years but the level was still at the level when i when i when i met all my classmates and even when i talked to them today yeah so i think uh, the screening process was uh, was appropriate for that time so about je main sir it has primarily shifted to an online format now um yeah so it happens twice every year and it is primarily conducted online and the marking system has shifted to a percentile based marking system but yeah i agree with you the entire preparation aspect of je means to this day has not changed a lot as in that you need to go up notch above your school curriculum to actually study and crack means that uh, tradition stays on prevalent to this day you cannot depend on your school curriculum and your boards uh, education to get through the entrance exams particularly but even the board exams and how much we study from for them has gotten much more rigorous because of the increasing competition every year even to get into du so yeah but uh yes sir so why did you pursue your mba and what were the personal lessons and journey how was the experience like that made it all worth it for you yeah so just just as i shared with you um um uh, ishan i was uh, my father was in indian air force right so for, for i mean i was sure that i wanted to add a couple of options when i was young to be a pilot or to be an engineer or a doctor and after a long time i decided to be an engineer but i never was thinking about mba like i never had that in my mind when i was young but when i joined dc i think even my in second year or third year all the students were talking about mba you know and i was always thinking why why they want to go for an mba and i immediately did not go for an mba i worked in india for one year with lasan and tubro and then came to japan after one in 1998 and then still was in uh, very much into system engineering and all this field and over the period of years uh, of course i realized how important strategy was how important leadership was and um, after working 
I think around uh, eight years. I think one in India, and then I think I worked abroad until two thousand and six uh, with Hitachi. So that was almost six years. So yeah, around seven and eight years. I realized that uh, if I want to really take leadership roles in the future, if I want to take strategic roles, then MBA uh, would be a, a good step. That was the that was the initial uh, reason to join. And then of course I start exploring schools. Within Europe, within US, and since I didn't want to go for a long-term uh, MBA, like a long, like two years program, so HEC Paris was the perfect fit, and that's how I ended up in that. And regarding the course, um, yes, I think uh, MBA is not is not only the the curriculum or the content of the course which is important. Uh, what really, uh, and and this is again, I, I take experience from DC. It's about the classmates who join, you know, because these classmates, especially when I was in MBA. These were like fifty-five uh, nationalities, average five years experience, two um, hundred students, one thousand years of experience you have in in one year, and you meet all these students. And these are all leaders; they all want to be leaders, yeah. So for sure, one one key learning was leadership, and how these different uh, classmates of mine uh, had their uh, way of uh, or their leadership style. That was one big learning. Second learning was all the all the uh, corporate uh, CEOs, uh, including uh, Bill Gates, actually also came to our campus, who came and who joined us and who talked about their leadership style, who talked about their career. That also uh, told, uh, gave us, you know, or also gave me uh, how leaders think, how they manage uh, their life, how they manage their business. And plus the the amount of responsibility you can take in MBA program. Uh, uh, it's again another opportunity where you can really test your leadership. You know, so also in my campus, I had chance to be uh, be the president of the pres- uh, the MBA council and also a sustainability organization uh, called Net Impact, which is a global organization. So it also, uh, you know, uh, makes you learn about uh, within the framework of MBA uh, how to lead, how to uh, you know have a good team uh, spirit, how to achieve certain things together uh, with a diverse team of people. Uh, so I think. Those elements, I would say, the people part uh, was something uh, is I would say is something that stays with you for your lifetime. Because even today, uh, with all my classmates, when you talk uh, and and we all are connected, it's really interesting. You know, you know when you interact with them, uh, it's always inspiring. Uh, plus the curriculum itself, you know, because the curriculum gives you a complete background of finance, marketing, uh, uh, you know, entrepreneurship, uh, strategy, uh, and all 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 this combined. With the study part and with the people part, this is something which you then carry with you for the rest of your life, and that's and that you can see then when you start working the corporate world again, then you see how these things come together. And and uh, also, I I will I would like to mention that I, I had a chance to do exchange program with uh, New York Stern University, and there I had also a chance to really study finance. You know, uh, very deep, which is uh, because I was also interested in finance at that time. So all these things combined together, strategy and finance, I would say, has helped in in the last years. You know, since my MBA program. So, sir, how was the? I agree that the process of an MBA and the entire journey is very valuable, considering that you make network connections and valuable teachings from your degree that earn you and save you a lifetime. Yes, I totally understand that. So, sir, uh, about your exchange program between NYU and HEC Paris, how did that serve you? What were the cultural differences that you uh, faced and uh, personally observed between both the places? And yeah, uh, were there any teaching methodologies differences between the two universities? Yeah, so I think uh, um, for sure. I mean, if you take an MBA in Europe or you take in Asia or you will take in US, you will always have. 
uh, some differences because it also comes from the strategy and vision of the school. Uh, I think uh, the big part of uh, the whole experience, I would say, is the lifestyle itself. The lifestyle you have, you have in France or Paris versus lifestyle you have in New York. So that part, of course, uh, of course, we have to take into consideration. Plus, within the uh, curriculum, uh, uh, I would say the class size is, is is also a topic because when I joined uh, in HEC Paris, we had 200 students. But of course, uh, in my batch, uh, which was January 2007, we were 60 students in one class. But in NYU, uh, sometimes the classes were of bigger size. That was one thing. Plus, um, you could, what I also understood that we had uh, a certain professor, like I can mention this professor, Ashwat Damodaran, who I also saw that he was celebrating 34 years uh, today in NYU. I mean, it was amazing, yeah? Like that professor, it's, it's not only about the school, then you are, you have certain professors which are, uh, which are known worldwide. And then you learn from them, and uh, and that's one part of the school. You know, it can it is also depend on the school. So I would say those specific uh, lectures you had, uh, I would say, were complementing what I had in HEC. For example, I also had uh, another uh, very good uh, course on um, geopolitical uh, topics, which I was studying in in Paris. But it was complemented by another course uh, about how countries are and why they are the way they are. You know, so it it it, it was. So I would say in the end, it was complementing each other. Uh, plus, maybe, of course, the, the way you do the group work is a bit different from, from HEC Paris to NYU, I would say. Uh, but in general, uh, I would say um, you could relate to certain professors uh, which were very strong in their area and then you could actually build it, build on knowledge. So in, in France or HEC Paris, actually, it was really I was focusing more on general management with a specific focus on strategy, uh, whereas in NYU, it was more about finance. And so I could find professors who were really, really uh, uh, specialists in that. And, and then you could learn from that. And within the campus, I would say it was also quite international because NYU was also uh, having uh, exchange students, not only from France, but also other schools. And of course, there were a lot of students from US itself. So it was also cultural wise, a new learning, how the American schools are in general and how they all then coexist into one program. So, sir, about the faculty and the teachers that you mentioned, um, what were some learnings from the faculty members or be it your own fellow batchmates from an MBA that were absolutely the most valuable things that you got from your experience that were, in a sense, timeless to your personal life? Because there are always some things that you learn, be it from people, be it from some incidents that stick with you and serve you well for your entire life. So, yeah, what were your what were the most important lessons and experiences that you had from your MBA? Yeah, I think a couple of things I can mention here uh, from both Paris and New York uh, in terms of uh, professors. I think one thing uh, was strategy, you know, and uh, what I really learned is how much important strategy is, uh, especially when I talk about Paris. And I had a professor who was really very good at it, really enjoyed his lesson. And we were studying, maybe you might have heard about, you know, this portal analysis, maybe it has changed now and uh, it has changed uh, or maybe it has a different uh, perspective. But this whole perspective of, you know, how you analyze your company, how you analyze the competition and how you analyze the external uh, entry, this has not changed even in the last 20 years. It is there still. Uh, so so I think this is really uh, this is really something which you when you learn, you you keep it and you apply for the rest of your life. That's one thing. Second thing is, uh, which I learned, and this is again uh, about New York, 
the, the the finance thing we were studying valuations you know so how to value a stock of a company now when you do that you learn so much about about the company so it's not only about where the company is today it is also about what they have done in the last 10 years and it's also about what they plan to do and then you look into all these elements and then you do a projection you know you pro- you project the cash flow how the cash how the revenues will come in the future and and then you kind of bring this whole future cash flows to the present level uh, what you call uh, present value calculation you know it's a little bit financial term but it's mainly about how you calculate the value of a company so this and when you want to apply to any situation or any new business model you can always apply it doesn't matter if it's a stock evaluation or if it's a valuation of a new project or if it's a valuation of uh, some new idea or new service so i think if you if i take those two elements uh, then even though it's 12 years later uh, i still see uh, i can still utilize them or apply them when needed certainly sir totally agree with you there uh, even deriving from your own personal experience of how a lot of your batchmates in second year and third year wanted to do an mba right back then so there is this uh, new creation of a branch called fintech that has been created because of just how many number of engineers choose to go for an mba within the first 10 years of their graduation so um, would you want to shed a little bit of light on why is this culture on such an uprise why are there so many people who choose to uh, go this interdisciplinary route and learn management after doing their engineering um how important are they to the industry and what is something new that they bring to that background because a lot of people even now even in our college uh, are very interested in fintech and would like to go uh, to the field of finance with a bit of managerial expertise and would want to go and pursue data science machine learning and essentially economics to further their career in that direction yeah yeah i think a very very good question uh, ishan yeah i think uh, uh, you will uh, maybe you will also see and maybe realize that um, technology is very important for sure it is it is very important but the most important thing is will the technology be adopted in the market you know will people use it so that's one side of uh, so there's a there's a supply side which is technology so you can always make a technology you say okay i create a new artificial intelligence or a new holographic technology you know which can speak any language that's one technology right the topic is who will use it Uh, and the topic is uh, are there customers around the world or are there specific customer segments who will use this technology so the demand i'm talking the demand side and then when you look into this supply and demand side the, the whole financial or the economy economies of scale or uh, the whole this break even profitability comes into picture so if you have uh, if you really have technology experience then of course you can excel in that particular domain you know you can make the best uh, you know uh, hardware or you can make the best software but when you want to really uh, make make it a service or when you want to grow it as a business or when you want to start a company or when you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to grow from uh, a, a startup to a, a large full fledged corporation without this financial uh, innovation or without this financial expertise maybe it will it, it may not sustain uh, for a long 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 time because then you you may not have this uh, perspective of uh, you know the whole financial or the whole uh, long term strategic view so i i would say in that respect uh, this is quite important and this if you have both sides then i think you can start a new you can have a new technology a new startup and quickly grow it uh, very uh, very very quickly 
that, that's that's how i think from my perspective for last uh, based on my experience so sir uh, considering your own personal experience and how diverse it is um when you joined audi 10 years ago um how was your entire experience of joining a multinational company in automobiles that is a dream for many engineers um what were the expertise and the skill set that you were bringing to the table considering your diverse background of a very good mba of your btech and even of all the companies that you had worked at before yeah so i think uh, i joined uh, audi in 2010 and uh, I would say it has been one of the most interesting experiences in my entire entire career so far, because uh, since 2010 I had a chance to work in Japan in multiple roles, and also followed by Malaysia as responsible for after sales. And since 2014, from Malaysia I came back again to Japan and heading the team in Japan, basically to enhance the customers' online and offline experiences. So for sure, uh, I can talk about my experiences, but uh, let me a little bit tell about. what fascinates me you know working uh, with the brand as the products and also the brand core uh, you might have uh, read it or heard about it washroom to technique uh, it's really you know how you progress with technology but not only with technology how you progress by uh, the way that you do things and uh, also the passion of the team members the colleagues and also our dealer network who are, who are trying to shape the brand on daily basis yeah so this is one part of it and the second part of it is that also we are a diverse team of people uh, in last 10 years and and i have learned uh, on a daily basis yeah and uh, and that's what motivates me to shape uh, the brand uh, especially in the current context where the in the digital world which is changing so dynamically yeah so um the experience which uh, i had uh, if you now uh, see what i told you just now were quite interesting you know because all that all the while from dc till it is paris i was always uh, surrounded by passionate people and that's what i have also in audi uh, uh, for last 10 years and also uh, i mean this whole shift of technology and how you then uh, apply strategy how you apply your financial knowledge how you apply your cross cultural uh, experiences how you apply your leadership skills which uh, you learn uh, not only in hcc but throughout the career all this is then uh, currently uh, part of the whole experience i would say So yeah, that's that's how it is bridging, uh, you know, past versus present. So, sir, um, how would you uh, go about managing the team and being in sync with your coworkers? As it is one of the most important things to know and to learn while you're working for your for your entire life, essentially. And what what are some tips and advice from your own personal experience for working well with team members? Uh, working efficiently with team members on projects that are very taxing very demanding i mean about working with people who are just as competent as you even if not more and how do you go about that entire incident and how do you go about this entire experience Uh, it, it goes back to what I was telling in HEC when uh, you know I was listening to all the leaders who came, and what in, one thing was very interesting that about all these leaders who came to my campus was that they had they always focused on quality of life. So they always said the work was there, but they also had they also wanted to spend a lot of time with their family and friends, and this was very interesting. Yeah, so uh, I think one part of it is really how you how you approach everything, and I think in this approach when you want to balance uh, uh, balance this uh, work. uh with with the uh, off offline uh or especially i would say um the personal uh, life 
then you are kind of already thinking in a more holistic way and that's where the whole strategy uh, comes into picture so uh, having the right strategy uh, is is very important meaning thinking thinking a big picture is 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 quite important so even if the if there is a is there's a new project there's a complex project it's very important to understand where where you're going in that project yeah this is very important and unless that part is not defined it would be very difficult to align with all the stakeholders and uh, and you know bring them with a common goal i i still remember the the election you know when i was uh, trying to uh, uh, go for the president of the mba council in hcc the only thing which was motivating me at that time was that there was a clear uh, why you know a clear purpose why i want to go for it and what kind of things i want to do and i was just sharing all this with my classmates and gradually then we start to build a team and so this uh, the vision part is quite important and i think after the vision once you have a clear goal where you want to go the the, the next step is really to find uh, the right set of people uh, who could then support you and finding the right set of people with the right goal is of course key but what is really important is also uh, the whole motivation part you know how you want to work as a team uh, what are what are the things which will really work what are the things which needs to be addressed so i think the important if i summarize it a little bit it's a little bit the 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 vision part where you want to go a big picture second thing is with this big picture uh, who will who should be in this big picture and how they will come together to support it and of course all the tools all the uh, planning templates etc uh, are are necessary uh, of course uh, when you come for the hard implementation part but i think uh, what really differentiates them um, differentiates uh, if if i uh, especially reflect from experience is the very clear picture of what you want to achieve and with that clear vision uh, i think you can then really share it communicate it find the right uh, set of people motivate the right set of people work together resolve all the operational issues and then try to achieve uh, i don't say it will it, it is 100% uh, it will have always 100% results or 110% result but for sure it will give you a certain uh, path and you at least are better prepared i would say i would certainly agree with you and genuinely admire uh your leadership skills considering how you talked about your mba experience and how everybody there wanted to be a leader and what kind of a good quality and environment that was for you so coming from your own diverse experience of working at many companies um how was the entire experience and what was uh, some sort of connection uh, in line to your like what what sort of line would you like to draw through several points of your professional trajectory of your life so i think lnt was the first uh, first work and also it was a great experience i would say because they they develop they are very focused on developing people and that also was a very great learning experience i would say uh hitachi or japan was completely different because it was not only about the company it was about the culture it was about the language because when i came i didn't speak the language and first two years really went in learning the language speaking it and you know also making presentations so that in itself was a, a kind of a, how do i say you know you have to fight with yourself you have to keep on going you have to say yes i can do it you have to keep on different met- methodologies you know you can't just learn from your teachers you have to look into tv you have to listen to different music or read books 
and you have to try all all things you know to to make uh, to make it happen so that's also a kind of learning process you know that uh, you you have to rely on multiple sources to achieve some certain thing and that's what i can say about japan and politachi because it was completely different it was a different culture it was a completely new technology of course i was a mechanical engineer but i was working in uh, embedded systems which i had no experience you know and i didn't uh, i of course uh, it was first time working for a uh, uh, company outside india so i think all in all it was a, a cross cultural experience it was an experience to really fight with your own and also we had clients outside uh, japan and also i then with itachi i was in france so also had a chance to learn about uh, fr- french culture french language so after that doing mba and then doing consulting and and, and now working with audi for last uh, 10 11 years um what i would say is that there is a big part of learning uh, and there's a big part of uh, um, you know adapting uh, was already there in, in in the first two jobs because also mumbai i was in mumbai i went from uh, hinden to mumbai so that was also a different experience and then came to japan there was a completely different experience then did my mba which was like 55 nationalities you know coming together leaders coming together completely different experience opens your mind and then you then and then you come to uh, then i start my third job and with that you know you are you are in a completely different perspective and then you utilize all the learnings you had to uh, the consulting industry and the consulting industry as you know is really you have to look at a complete strategy you have to analyze things you have to come up with new solutions you have to be creative all those things uh, together put together when i started work for audi i could i would say um, utilize all the experience i had especially with the people part technology part uh, strategy part and analysis part and those then are, is something which is uh, which is i can utilize it and also that's the reason why i'm so uh, passionate about technology and i always like to read about technology like to read about the future strategy and and uh, like to learn about uh, like to learn about how the things could be in the future yeah. so all these things have helped uh, help uh, so far right sir so i would like to draw on your interest a little bit here and i would like to talk about uh, how fascinating technology is to you so um according to you 5g artificial intelligence uh, and iot will be the driving forces of technology within the next 10 to 20 years so i wanted you to educate us more on that topic and why you think that these technologies will be on an uprise from now on and how they will take over the technology industry <laughs> yeah i think uh, again it's it's about the customer behavior right so 20 years ago i think we would not have talked about this but if you look at the current situation where uh, customer behavior is to really uh, buy things uh, immediately you know you have some you have a need and you immediately uh, go online you search it and you buy it now imagine if uh, there's a intelligence behind then it will make that user experience even more uh, better so you know if for example i give an example you want to uh, order food i can take example of india if you if you have somebody who is offering this technology currently that you can order food online but with the artificial intelligence it will know your preferences you know you prefer less salt or you prefer more spices or it will even tell you know by the way don't order now you order maybe 30 seconds later because the traffic will be better then all these things will come into that that technology and with the location iot integrated and and the uh, I mean the holographic way, you know. In the future, maybe you even you can see all these things projected to you on the screen, and then you can also select not only just just two D. 
so it is about user experience in the end you know so that's that's why i say that this whole thing will come together because it will this is how the consumers will be in the future they will be even more uh, they would like to have even more uh, uh, high quality accurate uh, customer or user experience and that that's that's the so idea behind it you talk yeah. very rightly about how ai can help us learn more about customer behavior and customer patterns it's something that all mobile companies are certainly integrating it within their softwares about learning how a user uses their technology more year after year and it's only on an uprise now so coming to 5g um how do you think that that's going to come into the picture and revolutionize the technology world and considering uh, the fact that for developing countries like india and africa technology is not as much about user experience as it is about utility in its rawest sense of the word so how do you think that 5g will come into the picture for these countries where the priorities are from customer experience shift a little bit towards the other side so i think 5g uh, again i i read about 5g i think last year and uh, of course if you ask somebody who's working on 5g maybe can answer better than me but what uh, i believe is 5g definitely allows you to uh, increase the uh, you know especially the bandwidth and also the speed so uh, what i understood so far was that 5g allows you to do video calls so may- maybe of course with covid this is not a topic but uh, before covid i was even thinking that in the future you didn't need uh, business travels because you could uh, you could physically have video calls or you could have holographic calls so that's what uh, where it would lead to and imagine if 5g is developed further where you are you can create a setup of uh, meetings where people are uh, virtually there you are actually not traveling then yeah which means uh, if you utilize this technology into different businesses even where you say uh, the customer experience uh, may not be an important functionality might be more important uh, but then business can adapt uh, this technologies to actually showcase or show to the clients uh, in a different manner in a different way so for sure 5g uh will not stay at 5g alone i would say it will develop further because it definitely there will be more use cases coming in the future yeah with 5g yeah so sir about 5g and about the future of meetings being holograms um i think that that assumption is perfectly valid even with the pandemic and how people are going to be scared of international travel even more now with the sanctions and everything so yeah i perfectly understand that assumption and that may as well be a very common uh, instance 5 to 10 years from now when the hardware technology catches up to that level and yeah so how do you think that all of these modern technologies are integrating to traditional fields of engineering the core fields of engineering like mechanical engineering so that's a very interesting question yeah <laughs> maybe i think mechanical engineering also uh, will have to uh, see how it has to change um compared to where the world is going so for sure i wouldn't say that even if the world becomes completely digital we do, we will not need mechanical stuff rather i would even also say that when the world will become digital complete digital maybe there will be mechanical will have its own niche you know if there are parts uh, if there are things which are mechanically done maybe the value added uh, will be a different level and maybe a niche product than what it is uh, today maybe it's in the mass segment so i wouldn't say mechanical has to change completely but i would say mechanical has to adapt to see which good part of technology can utilize within the framework uh, because as you know also uh in, especially in many industries now the the mechanical systems are combined with electronic systems and and software 
and to build something uh, better for the customer. So I would say uh, maybe mechanical engineering have to also define itself to see what uh, which areas it needs to change uh, in the future. Yeah. So for example, uh, when I was in DC, uh, we were still working on lathe machine and with the gear technology. Uh, depending on how the technology grows in the future, uh, which is current predominantly currently we talk about electrification, and um, and depending on how it shifts in next thirty to fifty years, because also as you know uh, a lot of talk about uh, a lot of talk is also on autonomous driving. So depending on how where it is going, uh, the industry or the engineering part also has to shift and adapt accordingly. That's what I would say. Because mechanical engineering is still needed. Uh, if 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 you if you look into many industries, yeah, it is not that it is not required. Even if I meet still uh, my LVNIs who are in Japan, they also are working still in a very high high sophisticated uh, 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 systems uh, which are linked to boilers and all these uh, heat generation devices, which we also were studying in our college, you know. And uh, and it's not completely digital, but still it's it's quite uh, what. We learned in our college and applying still twenty years later. Right. So, sir, what do you think are some curriculum changes that core branches like mechanical engineering and electrical engineering could integrate within their curriculum so as to make our engineers more competent for when they enter the working scenario and the working field? As in, a lot of engineers when they come right out of their graduation, a lot of what they do in their job profiles is something that they learn in their training, which goes on for months on end for for a lot of people there. So, how would you say that? there are some curriculum changes that could be implemented to make our engineers more competent and more comfortable when they transition from an educational background to a working background yes i think a uh, four years program and there are a lot of things to learn i would say uh, the most important thing is awareness to at least make all the engineers aware what is happening around the world because this is what i see when i was in dc at that time 93 to 97 maybe i was i would say maybe less aware or to certain level aware uh, so maybe awareness is a part meaning um, which elements are already happening outside uh, or in the industry and how and this this awareness have to be made not only mechanical to all the branches plus maybe certain things which are maybe normal which are anyway there everywhere uh, this part should be then analyzed and integrated into the curriculum for example um, and this might sound very normal but for example excel i don't think we are te- taught we are teaching excel in in dc right or even powerpoint nobody teaches us yeah but i would say i would say if i look at my last 20 years uh, why not include advanced excel and powerpoint into the curriculum it's not engineering yeah but this is what you this is what you will definitely use and there's a lot of a uh, lot of uh, macros and a lot of programming behind so for sure i would say uh, if you want to really include a one curriculum uh, it will be ai which maybe already is there so uh, when i say ai it should include very much programming uh, also and also what are the u- use cases of that and then all these basic things which we think are not necessary but are very much necessary and those tools could be integrated in the program and also could be utilized um but definitely if i look at uh, from now on uh, what would be interesting uh, for mechanical would be how this transition uh, from the traditional mechanical engineering or automotive when it moves to uh, electrical technology or when it moves to a fuel cell um what kind of uh, which uh, elements are needed then in at the college level to learn and uh, and be prepared for the future because next i would say 30 years 
definitely three technologies which will be there in in the world are sharing sharing is already you might have seen sharing is already happening in india with ola and uber and then of course autonomous technology which may not which may not come in india immediately or might start with many other developed countries and then of course uh, uh, electrical technology which might eventually have certain also possibilities in fuel cell and other technologies yeah so if 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 you look uh, really at the global movement this is what i would say those essence could be then integrated yeah inside the inside the class so sir uh, coming to networking now um as you said and from your own experience about how important and valuable networking can be for the rest of your life um what are some tips and advice on how to make meaningful connections be it from your workplace be it from your educational degree that you know could actually last a lifetime and would be mutually beneficial for you and the person that you want to yeah networking is with. quite important it's not only about networking is not only a mean for only career or job networking is also about learnings you know so when you network with when you are connected with your classmates or with the seniors you might uh, you know learn new about new things new ideas new new technologies and of course uh, depending on your path you know where you are you can always connect and take advice mentoring mentorship uh, so i think it's quite important yeah and should not be should not be i would say say it's not necessary i i, I wouldn't say that you cannot uh, have a good career without networking uh, uh, so you can still have a very good career with, without networking but what i'm saying is with networking it really enlarges your uh, your complete uh, horizon of how you think and also understand what is going on in different industry and also you know actively learn and also contribute and also then connect with the right people and also take advice and also build your career accordingly yeah. so definitely it is uh, quite important i would say right sir absolutely uh, so sir coming to the final part of the interview um what are some final pieces of advice or uh, final words that you would like to give to the mechanical engineers who would like to have just as enriching of a professional career as you have had um and primarily to the engineers of dtu um so yeah so what are your final pieces of advice yes yeah, so i think i think uh, uh, one i mean currently also uh, i think we have started a new uh, fraternity forum called dtu dc fraternity forum which i am part of also in japan so i am very happy maybe in the future i would also talk to dr navinith who is the one of the organizer how can we connect uh, you know professionals in japan with the professors and students in dc so this is something which i personally would like to uh, work on uh, so also to connect with a lot of us a uh, lot of lot of you in future but the advice i would say is really uh, to uh, to all the engineers would be to really um, keep uh, you know keep your dreams high uh, think big you know really uh, strive for what you want to achieve is very important and 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 really not giving up until unless you have achieved so i think more this is from uh, the self uh, motivation or uh, perspective or uh, or long term self vision once one can have so i would say have a, have a self vision first is very important that what you want to do and uh, and then work towards it and, and i think those two things are are very important for whatever anyone wants to do um because i think in general all the engineers mechanical or or other engineers in dc they all of you are i mean have gone through a very selected process of uh, screening and also you learn uh, on, on the campus and of course uh, from intelligence and from uh, you know 
motivation perspective, it is already there. But then what I would say uh, to take it from, from there to what you want to achieve, have a very clear self vision where you want to go in next 10 to 20 years and then work towards it. And for, for working towards it, of course, you can plan. Uh, but at the same time, you know, look out for the people who can support you, who can be your mentors and, uh, and then, yeah, connect these things and, and go for it. But the, the most important thing is to have this very strong self vision, what you want to achieve and where you want to go. And with that, I, I can say, uh, uh, one day for sure you will achieve it or even, even might overachieve it. Yeah. So this was Mr. Gajendra Sharma, Director after Sales at Audi Japan KK. I hope you got some clarity on the importance of an MBA and if a foreign MBA can help you shape the career you dream about. My name is Ashan Gupta and thanks for listening. Do subscribe, follow us on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn to get notified about the upcoming new episodes and do stay tuned to the podcast as we bring forward insightful conversations with people from all walks of life. See you in the next episode.